Hello, how you doing? This is Richard Barnes. This interview was recorded at the Martial Arts Exhibition in Coventry, October 2013, and was part of the Martial Mind Zone. It was an opportunity for me to find out a little bit more about the guests, what got them into martial arts, and what they had learned on their journey. This interview is subject to copyright. For more information, visit richardbarnes.com. Okay, so without further ado, it's time to chat. Hi, it's Richard Barnes at the TMAX conference. It's Sunday and I'm talking to Andy Gibney uh, in, in, front, in front of a, a, live audience, a live audience. A live audience as well, which we welcome uh, in any questions to, to come in. Um, I wanted to chat to you and explore your martial arts background because we are at the martial arts conference. Yep. Um, you know, I, 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 should we start off with an obvious question? Uh-huh. What the hell are you doing here? Um. Did like that? It was insightful. During your packs, we move over. Come on, what are you doing here? I heard this young lady was passing sweets around. Yeah. And so I thought I would come into this room. I yeah. actually have no idea why I'm in this room. Okay. Other than that, I came to the exhibition. Do you know what? I booked, I booked the stand in May. I was at, um, previous to that, I was at an entrepreneur circle, national meeting. And this guy who runs this thing, Nigel Bottrell, was talking about... I'm sure exhibitions were mentioned and how they go to franchise exhibitions and this, that and the other. And I thought, we haven't done that for ages, you know. And there is only one, you know, obviously... Uh, the martial arts show this year and I thought I need to have a presence there because I've been exploring lots of different things over the last couple of years and I've probably stepped away on a national level compared to when I used to write a lot for magazines and I thought it'd be good if other people actually knew who I was in the context of where my uh, greater level of expertise is so I thought well I'll book a stand and um, I remember got Glenn saying I have this cheaper version and I went no I don't want the cheaper version so that was an interesting little shift in my own head because when I've come here before I've gone for the smallest stand possible yeah. you know you try and get your return on investment straight away which again is a mistake because this is a long haul plan and I think anybody who comes to an exhibition just to, just to try and get what they can for the weekend is doing it wrong I know that because that's the way we used to do it and we did do it wrong because you're actually a somewhat of a unique breed, really, as an individual, because you are a businessman stroke martial artist, or martial artist stroke businessman. Yeah. Um, your view and the way in which martial arts works is possibly different from the other people I've interviewed uh, and operate. I would hope so, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, I would definitely hope so. Let's, let's talk about the martial arts bit first. Yeah, okay. Where, where, did, where did that come from? What, what was the starting point? What was the catalyst? Um, the, the catalyst was Kung Fu, the old TV series, Elvis. And um, Elvis? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see Elvis in the, Where's you know, he? yeah, he's, he's left the bri- uh, building. Yeah, and, he's left the building. And then done some, you know, was it the cheeseburgers and the, the martial arts move with Elvis that drew you into it, or just the moves? Elvis was one of the first people to show martial arts in films. And it's, specifically, there was a film, a 1967 film called Double Trouble, where Elvis was always in a fight. The, the thing with an Elvis film is, everything was going fine, then it was, he was trying to get the girl, it didn't work out, he had a fight, um, they all made up and he got the girl that was pretty much an Elvis Presley film but what he started showcasing from the six, from 1960 was bits of karate yeah because he was training Kempo and I always remember this film f- from 1967 Double Trouble which is a bloody awful film but they had this fight and the one he hit the guy with a karate chop and he fell down the well and, and, I, and that obviously stuck in my mind how old were you then? at four Four. Well, four when it came out. I probably was about 10 or 11 when I saw it. Yeah, you got to, yeah. Yeah, um, I was, uh, when Kung Fu was on, I was seven or eight. 
And that made what <laughs> I've always said this that the thing that I liked about kung fu was it was a very philosophical way of beating the crap out of people. So so what Kane would do is he would he would hit someone and then give them a philosophical lesson. And he wouldn't say, you know, he would be very philosophical. He'd be saying, don't be a twat. But what he was actually saying was, you know, the butterfly flaps its wings and your legs will chop off. You know, that sort of thing. And you'd be going, as, as an 11-year-old, you're going, huh? Because he didn't understand the concept of, of illegal drugs at that point. Mm. You know, that came much later and made much more sense. I'm convinced that some of the stuff that Bruce was smoking was amazing because, you know, things that Bruce Lee wrote was just, like, out in the trees, wasn't it? If you read the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, honestly, you just... It's just a complete mystery to everybody. Um, but, of course, John Little brought the book out. Did I say I have random thoughts? The, yeah, no, uh, you carry on. <laughs> I, I spoke to you on a number of occasions over the last few days. And, and ra- random is a good way of describing it. No, go on. Squirrel. <laughs> so, I guess, yeah. Um, so, so until... Bru- uh, they taste great, so, you know. Squirrels? Yeah. I heard this, going more random. I was driving to a talk once out in Ely, and I was listening to it when Terry Rogan was still on the radio, and uh, they were talking about hedgehogs, cooking hedgehogs. Yeah, in uh, mud. In mud, yes, yeah, I believe. So all the all the swine come away easily. And he yeah. said he was talking. He was talking to a gypsy once, and he was saying, um, "Have you ever eaten hedgehog?" He said, "Yeah." And the gypsy, and he says to the gypsy, "What's it taste like?" He said, "A bit like chicken, a bit like cat." <laughs> <laughs> the thing with cat, though, you don't have to rock them in mud, mud do you? No? But, but, but that was great, and it's just one of those I've been driving along. Because Ely's, have you ever been to Ely? What a weird place. Well, no, Ely's nice, Ely as the cathedral and everything else is nice. I'd like to live there, because when they put your children, that's not nice. Yeah, no, no, yeah. But, but um, uh, so, so I drove further out. Where's I? I can't remember where I was speaking. I was speaking out that way somewhere, and the roads were like they are in Poland. Everything bounces. It's like being on a roller coaster. Yeah. And, I, and I was coming back. I'd done this this uh, this talk over at a breakfast club, and I'm coming back. I thought I fancy a dime bar. You know, it's, you don't want too much chocolate, but you just want a little bit, and yeah, a dime yeah. bar does the job. Yeah, I fancy a dime bar, so I stopped at this post office, and this woman was was serving behind the thing. So I gave her the money, and I said, um, "Roads are really bouncy around here, aren't they? You know, so they aren't very good." And she just went, "Yar." <laughs> <laughs> and I went. Fuck me! I can hear banjos. <laughs> so, so, so uh, anyway, so that. Get back, get yeah, So go back to the question. Elvis? No, no not Elvis. We've moved on from Elvis and Squirrel. How did I start? Yeah, yeah. Elvis. No, the the, the the reason for getting to martial arts. Yeah, but okay. I was interested in this stuff, and I remember when Bruce died. My mum went to see Enter the Dragon. She talked about it. Then Tiz Wars came on, and we used to be able to see the clips um, of Tiz Wars, and I was just intrigued by this whole thing. My dad was a boxer so I suppose that was in the genes a little bit alright okay so you had that in the background there wasn't you know a, a, apart from that I didn't cat- dad yeah but okay. um, um, he left there wasn't a catalyst it. moment you know it was an, a, an no. interest that got you into it yes. I was just talking to um, Phil Norman just now and he was talking about you know a necessity to stop being bullied so he, he looked at doing Kung Fu but you okay. also had a, an interest no mum was interest led interest led yeah very much interest led and I went to my first karate class when I was 15 went to one it cost a pound I went back to to, uh, to my parents and I said, oh, I want to do karate, it cost a pound. My dad said, you ain't doing that shit, because <laughs> he was a boxer. Yeah. So that was it. So I never went again for three years until I was 18, and um, and I started, and I could afford the pound then. So so um, that was it. 32 years later, I'm still doing it. So let, let's let's take the martial arts bit a yep. bit further and explore what you do, because you, you, you took it to a quite a high level in a particular discipline. Uh-huh. Tell me about that. Um... I have to charge you 50 quid extra to tell you that bit. That's all right. <laughs> that, oh, that discipline. Yeah, oh, okay. No, no, oh, no. I, yeah, see, yeah. I see, I see. I'm easily distracted, squirrel. And um, you're talking about sticks. Tastes like cats. 
You've done all this insightful stuff yeah, all no, over your weekend, and that'll be your takeaway. That'll be the, well, not takeaway. Takeaway? No, you can't get a cat to takeaway. Oh, he's well, so, he come someplace yeah. in Ely. Ely. Yar. Yar. It all links. Yeah. It's like this. It's just like this. Um, so yeah, tell, tell me. So hang on, you've, you've done your martial arts bit. What's well, the stick, what, stick bit comes along? Okay, the stick bit. Well, what happened was I did six years of traditional arts. Tried loads of stuff. I did kempo for three and a half years. I did Shotokan karate. I did tai chi. I was always looking for this eclectic mix and a fellow that I shared a house with had the early Bruce Lee books the, the, um, the art philosophy of Bruce Lee all the stuff that you can't get anymore which is a real shame because the early Inner Santo books are brilliant mm. anyway so I was reading these voraciously and um, at the back they had a list of first and second generation students and I remember being impressed by all this list of people oh, I'd love to meet them da, da, da. and what I didn't know at the time was that Bob Breen was teaching modern combat system all which right. was Jeet Kune Do I didn't know that so I hadn't really sort of cottoned on to what was going on because we didn't have internet and all that sort of stuff. Because so it hadn't been invented. Partly that. I think it was a failing on their part, but, mm. you know, you can only be born in the time you're born. But we did have a magazine called Karate and Oriental Arts, which was a great magazine and, and went out of existence a long time ago. But in there was an article by a guy called Terry Barnett about Larry Hartzell's first UK seminar. And I knew from this list of people at the back that Larry Hartzell was a Jeet Kune Do instructor and was a, a Bruce Lee student. And I thought, well, this is interesting. I, I'm intrigued by this. And the curious thing was, was I'd been reading a lot about a, a guy called Gary Spears at the time, right. who was a bit of an animal. And I thought, no, he was doing a seminar. And it came down to Liverpool was difficult to get to and London, from where I live, was easy to get to. And that was it. I went to London. And it blew me away. It absolutely, completely blew me away about what they were doing. And it was simple stuff like slipping a punch as opposed to blocking a punch. Lock flows, a little bit of stick work. I just thought it was amazing. And, um, and that was it. I was off and running. And uh, I did 42 seminars in five years. I, I trained privately with Terry Barnett and Ralph Jones. And I did some stuff with Bob Breen. And then a bit later I, I was trained with uh, John Harvey. And it was uh, Ralph Jones who introduced me to stick fighting. And the first time they ever did it, because the first World Championships were in 89 in the Philippines. Hang on, before you get that to a good talk about Ralph Jones, what were you doing in the daytime? At my job? Yeah. I uh, worked at McDonald's. Did you? Yeah, I worked at McDonald's and um, I was at college. I was studying um, a BTEC national diploma in business studies and recreational management. And uh, so, so uh, you know, I left home when I was 17, so you just had to work and that was it. My first five years from 17, I left home at 17 and between 17 and 22, I just worked in all sorts of crap jobs, you know. Um, worked in a wimpy for two and a half years. Uh, I, I worked packing boxes and loads of stuff. And then I went to college, um, and, the, and the thing that was available was McDonald's. And good old McDonald's sort of saved my... My, my bacon. You, you, yeah. you tried to avoid... Like I see the no, pores coming into that. No, it wasn't that. that. I was, was going to say I had a bit of a beef about it, but... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, it, was the, it was the best cheese I could get. Yeah. And um, once the chips were down, I thought I'd yeah. go for it. And the other thing... I'll, I'll continue <laughs> to line them up, mate. You <laughs> back, back them out of the park. <laughs> the, 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 the other thing was we had some... That's really a good, good batch of jokes, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was watching. I was watching Dave Gorman. You've seen this Dave Gorman program he does. Life is goodish. It is really seriously funny because he's a very brilliant observational comedian. Mm. And he was talking about cushions. The cushions have no purpose whatsoever. And I thought, well, I don't know. I don't know. know. Well, they do after leg day. Yeah. Well, 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 I thought you can always suffocate people with them, but that yeah. wasn't the way he was thinking. He was saying when he was single, he just had a bed. He got married. His wife put a cushion between the two pillows. Yeah. Every night, 
one of them would take the cushion off and put it on, on the, the floor. floor. Yeah. And he, he said to his wife, what is the purpose of a cushion? She said, it looks nice. He said, lots of things look nice, but they still have a purpose. What are we going to do with this cushion? She said, just bloody leave it and get on with it, and that's it. She said, should have uh, got a cat to sit on it, really. And then, but, no, he had his own way of getting it back. Because she opened the toilet door one day, and there's a top hat sitting on top of the toilet. She said, what's that for? He says, well, it looks nice, but it serves no purpose. Yeah. And by the end of the show, what actually happens, she agrees with him, and now they have the toilet which has a cushion and a top hat on it. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest it in my wife's presence because she'd probably she's think a, it's a good idea. She's a cushion woman. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, it's just... It, it, one cushion's good. Yeah. You know, a good plump cushion yeah. right, is good. Right, two or three, I mean, what's the point? I, you can't get comfortable on the buggers. I, I stayed at the Devere up in uh, Devere Whites, isn't it? That's the group up at Bolton. You know, the stadium at Bolton. And my mate had a. Well, he said, uh, "Come in my room, pardon. Come in my room." So I went and had a look. Four fucking cushions, honestly. <laughs> but two rows of four cushions. Why do you need eight cushions to go to sleep with? I tell you what gets me. I don't know if you stopped in a village hotel, right? A village hotel. They do the beds really nice. Sealy beds they are. They even tell you what they are. So if you've had a good night's sleep, you they can buy, can buy a bed. You can buy a bed from their preferred partner, Sealy okay. Bed. But on every bed that they do, there's this like elongated towel thing that goes over your feet. Yeah. Right. You can't do nothing with it. And as soon as you get into bed, what happens? You it's on off. the floor. What's the point? <laughs> I mean, to oh. so now we have a. We can go back to Dave Gorman now. We can write well, a new show. Well, the thing is, what I found out to do. Right. I don't know what it is, but I, I, I seriously think in certain hotels in this country there is a shortage of pillows. Right. I like three, yeah, four I'm three pillows. Pill- right. I'm, three pill- I'm a three pillows and one on my head. Right, I put on my head because I've got no yeah. hair and it gets drafty. So I just put pur- a pillow on so, your head. Yeah, just um, just to keep the draft off. It's nice. But anyway, <laughs> you phone up at the the village hotel and say, "Excuse me, could I have some more pillows, please?" I'm sorry, sir, we have none. Um, can you not take them out of another room? We're full tonight. We have no more pillows. You have your allocation of two pillows per person. Really? Well, what I found out is if you take that runner thing for your feet roll and it. roll it up... You've got another pillow. You've got another pillow. Now, if you, if you stay in Germany, in certain places in Germany, which is... We, um, I, I used to be part of... Um, well, I still am, I suppose. Part of the thing called the International Carliarnese Screamer Federation. They do a great summer camp. Now it's in Germany. It's been all around Europe. But they have the worst pillows you've ever seen because those pillows, you only get one, you put your head on it and it just envelops your face. Yes. <laughs> and what you end up with is completely fucking deaf and your head on the floor. Well, it's just completely useless. Well, no, no, this is, see, this is my three pillows that I've got yeah. are like are good ones and the fourth one is like the one you've just described. Uh, so when I put my head under it, the pillow... It works. Yeah, a draft excluder. So, you know, you so came from Ireland for this. Thermically. Stick, back to the sticks. We didn't get there yet. No, I know. I know. This is why. This is the longest question you've ever asked. I know. This is being a good interviewer. Well, I did read this manual or something. I've got to link it back together. So we need to get back to the stick fighting. It was very good. He's from Barcelona, don't you know? Squirrels. So, oh, no, that was rats. No. Uh, where did we get to? So we were talking about... Oh, yeah. Get, get, Jones, stick, oh, yeah, that's right. Stick fighting, that's right. Yeah. So they went off to, they went off to, um, to the World Championships. And they came back, and anyway, they were going to hold the first British Championships, which I missed the first one, and I competed in the second. And Ralph put us in this, this stuff, and he used to train in a garage in Orpington. 
God only knows what his neighbours thought. Because my first response <laughs> to this stuff when we fought in the street was there was me and a, and a, and a training partner and Ralph did it. My immediate response was to wrap my arms and my legs around the other guy and just did this. <laughs> you can't do anything now, can you? It wasn't the way you're going to be getting good at stick fighting. And that was pretty much me. I was shit for about two years. And uh, I must have had a, a little spark of, of uh, inspiration. Yeah, what, what, what made you good? Because, I mean, let's face it, I just you got, won the championships. No, I didn't. I got silver twice. That's what I was shit. And, um, but that, the, but the, in my mind, you won it. Uh, well, that's very kind of you. <laughs> I wish you'd been in the mind of the judges. I would have been much happier. Then. <laughs> I should have got you to judge. Anyway, so so what happened was was uh, uh, there was a lot of failure for a couple of years, uh, and but some sparks of quite good stuff. And Bob Breen invited me to try out for the British team. There was a squad training session. I remember being really nervous and driving down and going there, and, and it worked out really well. And uh, I went to the '92 Championships and um, I got fourth. Yeah. So I was quite happy with that. I thought that was great. And then '94 I went. Uh, I competed in the Europeans uh, with a broken thumb, which was a really stupid thing to do, so I just went out in the first round. And then uh, I competed in uh, 94, and that's when I got my first silver. And then 95 was a bit of a disaster as well at the Europeans. And then uh, 96, I fought again for the last time for Great Britain, lots of team captain. Um, and uh, I got silver again. I actually had more fights than anybody. It was just the way the weight divisions worked out. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> so I competed. I had five fights. Other people were only having two and getting their, their golds. I had five. I beat three Germans and lost to one finally. But I did beat the 94 you World Champion. You lost to a German. I lost to a bloody German on penalties. And, um, and, uh, but I did beat the 94 World Champion, which was my best fight, really, in the yeah. semi-finals. And so it was a great experience, but... Um, there was all sorts of screamer politics and all sorts of bollocks going on at the time. And we all pretty much get on these days, but at the time there was a lot of rubbish going on. So I split away from WECAF, set my own thing up in England, British Screamer Federation, which we ran for a while. And it came about through, uh, through a, a link with the Dossie Paris groups that they had a, a World Championships in 2001. And I was asked to take a team, so I was British team champion. And we went out there and we won the World Championships then. So as a coach, I won it. You know, like Clive Woodward. Clive Woodward. You are Clive Woodward of the stick. Well, this is really interesting, see, because I did this show about ten days ago in London and I said the same thing, you know, Clive Woodward. Then I looked up how much money Clive Woodward gets for a speech. Boy, was I disappointed, because he gets ten to 15,000. I'm here talking to you in front of all of Ireland. Yeah. (laughs) Justin's here. (laughs) (laughs) Could you ask for any more? No, I'm happy. (laughs) Justin might be a multi-million pound businessman who's going to book me for 15 grand now. You never know. Alternatively, he may work for the Animal Protection League. He's heard you about your your affection for cats and cooked hedgehog. I didn't... Well, I'm a vegetarian. ain't going to happen, is it? No. Okay. I tried eating a cat. It was horrible, too stringy, so I began vegetarian. Really? That's not exactly how it works. Well, actually, funny, funny you should say that, that my wife cooked me a turkey curry yes. one particular year. It was that bad, and it also coincided with Lent, that I gave up eating meat <laughs> for 14 years. <laughs> <laughs> so we are a little bit shared. Ah, uh, unfortunately, the, the smell of the bacon, um, b- like bacon sandwich... Bacon don't do it for me. It, 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 I was drawling, what, 14 years, and I started to drool. And that yeah, was, uh, see, the bacon smell doesn't do anything for me. It makes me... I don't like that smell at all. Mm. Obviously, the smell of a dime bar... <laughs> Is enough to make you drive but, to Ely. But it's really difficult to smell a dime bar. You have to have the sensation in your mouth. You know what oh, that crack is going to feel with the thin chocolate and the caramel. That's mm. what really does it. So the martial arts bit... Who's interested? Go on. 
I'm trying to link it. I'm trying to keep it coming. So the, mar- the martial arts. So you yeah. went out and, and, and taught. So what, what happened next with you then? Where did you? With the G- I'm going to mirror. It. Look, I'm very conscious not to mirror his body language, but I'm going to do exactly the same. <laughs> so the, the, um, what happened was was when we came back, when I came back from. Um, <laughs> When I, came, when, I, when I came back, we should have videoed it. When, when I came back from um, the Philippa, uh, from America in 2001, yeah, um, I re- there was a there was an interview done with me in um, you can't imagine how, but there was in Martial Arts Illustrated. And one of the things that I was really conscious about is I didn't want to be the same as everybody else who teaches Jeet Kune Do and a Screamer. Because what they tend to do is, although it's Bruce's philosophy about find your own way, everyone follows Dan or Richard or whoever they're following. Yeah. And I thought, that's not really what, where my interest lies. My interest lies in understanding more about why we do these things what our interests are, what our passions are, why we do it, etc., etc. And I wanted, if someone was going to book me for a seminar, there had to be a reason to differentiate me between the others. Yeah. So during this interview, I'd mentioned that I was interested in Tony Robbins. And a friend contacted me after, when the magazine came out. We hadn't been in contact for about two years. He said, I saw you like Tony Robbins. I said, yeah. He said, what do you think about Richard Bandler? I said, who's Richard Bandler? And he said, he taught Tony Robbins everything he knows. Oh, did he? Okay. And then he said, and they do courses in London, and Paul McKenna's involved. Oh, really interesting. So that was it. I went and did NLP. I took my practitioner. The following year, I did hypnosis. I did three UPW courses with Tony Robbins. I thought he was fantastic. And I also learned that the thing that most people haven't heard of is a, is a, is a thing called non-violent communication with a guy called uh, Marshall Rosenberg and that was pretty mind-blowing stuff and it was interesting that as you learn these things you could re- relate it directly to martial arts because non-violent communication is very Tai Chi uh, Tony Robbins is very Muay Thai and Bandler and McKenna are probably very Jeet Kune Do in the way they do stuff you know you can almost like oh, right, yeah, into yeah, band. Yeah, the, can, the methodologies the methodologies you know like Robbins is just like, boom just smash everything yeah. to bits you know the, uh, the NVC was very um were just unbelievably insightful, I have to say. Uh, and uh, and Marshall Rosenberg is a fascinating character, completely. You know, he's worked in Palestine and, and working with Israelis and Palestinians. He went to Rwanda after the genocide and was oh, bringing wow. tribes back together. This was serious, serious stuff. And yeah, he was great. He was just comes out with bloody puppets. He's got fucking giraffe on one hand and a, and a jack on another hand. I thought, I want to do something that has puppets. I've found it. Where jackal ears and, and, and giraffe ears... And I thought, oh, I found heaven, really, haven't I? So yep. that was it. But he uses these these great um, metaphors in order to, to convey something. To, to convey something. And it is the way he works with a group is just utterly fascinating. And I did that for two and a half years, or three years, or something. What did you get out of it? Well, what did you get out of all of these things? Well, the, the first thing that I got out of it was my anger issues disappeared completely. Because I started to understand that I... What anger issues? Well, I, I mean, to... you've just been talking about your martial arts background and why you did what you did, but you haven't mentioned that you're an angry git. Well, I was. I, was. I had all sorts of angst and stuff. You know, my, my dad left me when I, was, when I was two, and we, you know, I had a relationship with him until I was seven, um, and, then, uh, and then we moved up here. I didn't see my dad for 20 years, and he's, he was an alcoholic as well. So you had this stuff, and then the, the, the conversations you have as a family really made me think what a twat he was. And, uh, and that sort of made me angry. And then there were certain things that went on in my own personal life, and I could see the parallels. And then I thought, I've got to go and see him. So I went to see him, and he was off the drink for the day, and he was shaking all over the place. And it was a sweet conversation, and we had a nice day and stuff, but I never saw him again after that. And I guess there was a lot of that stuff, those rejection feelings, thinking, um, 
that I just used to respond. I was just a brilliant chucker. And the one thing about martial arts, it teaches you to throw things much better than you could yeah. before you trained them. So I could smash things up all over the place. And uh, I still have an achy toe here from where I, cr- where I broke the bloody thing, kicking the door once, because I didn't pull my toes back. Mm. So when I learned... Or open the door first. And, um, yeah, I wasn't in the mood for that. Oh, yeah. I do have... Oh, I've got a great angry story. My best angry story. What a twat I was. I was, I was living in this, this friend's house, and he had this Alsatian. And my girlfriend came around this night. It was a Monday night. I had a shitty day at work. I was about... I think I was 21 or something like that. So she came round, and I thought, I'll treat us to some food. Fried egg on toast because I'm not a treat a woman. Oh. Putty, putty. It's cat, doesn't it? Putty. <laughs> putty. <laughs> you ever seen a fucking cat trying to lay an egg? Um, so I made this food, and of course, being the clatty little shit that I was, I didn't clean the, the thing out first. I just cooked it in whatever fat was there. And I served this thing up, we sat at the table, and both of us had really hairy eggs, which is not the look you're looking for when you're trying to get laid that night. So, so um, I was just like, ah. Oh. And the thing was, it was now I just crack up and just go, you twat. But then I was just totally embarrassed. I just thought, you are such a twat. So I thought I'd show her how angry I am and express my feelings. Hang on a, hang on a minute. <laughs> There's something that's crossed my mind there. Hairy eggs, frying pan used the pan that was just already there. What the hell were they cooking in oh, that pan? No, no. It's, it was a... It was a it was <laughs> cats! <laughs> it's this bloody Alsatian we had. Yeah. It used to go all over. Oh, I see, yeah. That's what it was. That's all right. Did I not mention the Alsatian? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, we had an Alsatian called Sabre. Thickest dog you've ever seen. You know? <laughs> and um, and uh, so so I, made, so I went there and, I, and I, I walked towards the... It was uh, two little steps into the kitchen and then it had these... Uh, this door which used to pull across to go into the bathroom I know what I do I'll kick the bloody door frame I've no idea what this is supposed to signify so I'll kick the door frame I fucking missed I put my foot straight through the door now I look like a real twat don't I with anger so, issues with anger issues and a hole in the door and it's not yeah. my house and not, not a good cook at that no not, but it gets better because then I thought well I'm going to show a little bit more so I threw in glasses and I took my glasses off and threw them at this raffia mat that was on the floor that would be safe to bounce I missed fucking smashed them to bits so then I thought I, well, I didn't think at all anymore at that point went upstairs I started banging my head on the floor she's witnessing all of this like and I chipped my tooth, and I thought, oh, I've had enough now. That's just ridiculous. That's... So, so that, that, was my, that was my worst ever anger after. Can I, I ask you then? Yeah. yeah. After all that, did you get laid? I think I probably did. Did yeah. you? Yeah, she's a slut. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so, and the funny she's thing thinking, was, he's the man for me. <laughs> the funny thing, the funny thing was, we're still friends to this day. We we fell out of contact for years, and then she contacted me through Facebook, and I, I said to her, do you remember that? She didn't remember a thing. I remember it as clearly as that. Yeah. She remembers me burping on a Yarmouth bridge, a beach, bridge, beach. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want a bridge to the beach, do you? Uh, so, so in, in the grand schemes of female yeah. logic, yeah. Burping, yeah. On Yarmouth beach is way. Is Worse. Way worse than, than I just described. Yeah. <laughs> so she's fucked up. Anyway, so so uh, so NVCs helped me to understand that when you are when you're angry, you're emotionally dead. And I thought that makes a, that makes a certain amount of sense, doesn't it? Because you don't just get angry. It doesn't matter how bad your anger issues are. You don't just get angry. You get frustrated or you get annoyed. You know, as a, as a slight feeling of irritation, mm. um, and then you let it build and build and build. And of course, what you don't do is you don't have the internal dialogue that just says, "Why does this make you feel bad?" Um, and what Rosenberg explains is the feeling, the difference between feelings and needs. Needs are constant, and feelings change continually. Oh, that completely blew me away. I didn't know what he's on about. So, 
go and see Robbins, that also helped because Robbins talks about the six human needs. Ah, oh, okay, this makes sense. So if I feel uh, a lack of certainty, then um, the feeling that I get about that is irritation perhaps or annoyance. And so I would start to relate the feeling. So if this need is not being met, I get these feelings. Okay, I understand that. And that was it really. It was, it was understanding this, this um, method of thinking that was sort of way beyond anything I'd ever heard of before. Is this all, do you think, was cultivated? And I've, I've forgiven me for the impertinent question, if the question is impertinent, because of what, you know how your old man treated you back in the day, that, no, you know, no, that no. these, these well, anger bits came up and you needed to mm. find a solution to them? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, basically, I didn't know... Um, I'd felt rejected. It was as simple as that, really. You know, um, when your dad doesn't want to have anything to do with you. So it's like, and yet my, my relationship with my mum was brilliant. You know, we mm. had a great conversation... Learning, talking with my mum was the way I learned to talk to women, really, because we just, I was a little fella and she just. just I've often found that about mothers yeah. and what They are women, aren't they? They are women. But, is it, but, but she was on her own as well, so she just, she, who was she going to talk to? Yeah. So she just talked to me, and God knows what went in my head, but yeah. it, it, was, it was the ability to converse, and I think that was quite a good learning curve. So we've got the martial arts, yep. and you, you took it to a high level. Yep. Um, you took, you didn't got your travelling around the world and stuff. Yep. Okay. Um, you started to look at the philosophical uh, um, methodologies. Philo- well, it's, philosoph- it's philosophy first, yeah. yeah, and then psychology. And the psychology part yeah. of it, and explore that with the great. I mean, would you describe them as self-help gurus? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So, and now you're a, a business fellow. Yeah. Um, that does something to do with Jedi's. Yeah. What's that about? Well. Paxman uh, never does that, say things like, what's that all about? Yeah. <laughs> what's that all about? Because <laughs> he's educated. Yeah, I see. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and better paid, I suppose. Probably, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the quality of your questions is yeah. directly related to your pay packet. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what's that all about? <laughs> so, um, I can't remember, maybe 10, 15 years ago, I can't remember exactly when. Um, I was working at a school, a girls' school of all things. I was a governor for a while, because you were as well, weren't oh, you? I was governor, yeah. yeah of a, of a yeah. girls' school as well was as a it? primary school, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, this was a, this was a, a secondary school, yeah. you know, comprehensive. So I did that for four years, and but I, I taught self-defence um, every year for 13 years. And one day they were talking, they wanted to go for sports college status, and, I, and they were talking about motivation, and, I, and they were talking about external, you know, like give them a badge and that yeah. type of stuff. And I said, well, so what are their internal motivations? <laughs> the teachers never clue what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's like, eh? So anyway, I, I, the, I got involved in the sports college process, and, and as a result of that, I was asked to speak to groups of girls. And anywhere you speak now is a piece of piss compared to a thousand teenage girls. Oh, God, Absolutely, yeah. I could not have had a harder starting ground for a speaking career ever. So, um, so that's how it started, and I sort of engaged them enough. I was invited back a number of times to do that. And then I started getting involved in the business networking scene because I've been self-employed for 20 years. Yeah. So, um, uh, again, it was the same person who, who suggested I join things like the Federation of Small Businesses and other networking groups who had told me about Tony Robbins, uh, a guy called Martin Sterling. He used to, he's, he's dead now, bless him, but he was um, a real key influence on my life. He was a really interesting guy. Bonkers, absolutely raving bonkers he was. But um, he used to have the top firewalking company in the country. And uh, so... Just more than one? Yeah, yeah, there are. There's about four or five. But right. Martin had um, Men in Black, it was his company. 
and Blaze. That was the thing. Actually, did. that doesn't inspire me for a name of a firewalking yeah, yeah, company. Yeah. Men in Black. The, 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 There's something seriously <laughs> gone wrong on one of these firewalking things. Yeah. What is that smell of frazzle? Did a lot of the shard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you, it's hot, isn't it? <laughs> on fire. Yeah. Um, Come on, so, so, give so, me some more sparks <laughs> of wisdom. So um, I'll stamp it down a bit. So, 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 so I worked. Come on, this, tell me about your coals in life. Uh, my 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 coals. Coals in life. Yeah, right. Poor, poor. Sorry. You was poor. That was yeah. You were saying tenuous to say the least, and um, like a Pisces. And uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah. <laughs> so I, I started to go into these networking groups, yeah. and I watched some speakers, and I thought, Christ, these really are poor. And I, I went to see this w- woman who ran it once one time. I said, I could do a talk on self-defence, for example. And she looked at me like I was a complete numpty and just said, like that. that, literally that. And I went, oh, fuck you then. So off I went. And about six months later, she came to me and she said, look, I've got this women's uh, networking group. There's a, there's a fee of 200 quid. Do you want to do an hour? Yeah, do. So that was it. And I did a really good job and, um, and, and started a speaking career. So I thought, well, oh, that's quite good. And uh, so I'll explore that a little bit more. And then I started thinking about what is a good name, what will attract interest. And I came up with the world's only business Jedi. Yeah. And I am the world's only business Jedi. I Googled me. I yeah. Googled that, yeah. and I came up. I was surprised myself. So I was like, fuck me, it's me. And um, so I booked myself for three shows. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I only did one, though. Did, 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 yeah. You, yeah. did you get the money? Yeah, yeah I did, yeah. I paid myself. Yeah. It was brilliant. So that was it, really. And, I guess uh, that's and tax deductible. Yeah, I can't even it, say deductible, it, yeah, but it is. It is yeah. All of it. And um, so that was it. So the, the Jedi thing, really, is about understanding subconscious, th- the way the subconscious works. You can do that through things like kinesiology. And it's part of the, the interaction with the audience, if you like. You know, there are certain things that I do that bring the audience into the talk. Because we've all been to talks where we can sit there and you just rattle on about stuff. Um, which can be really interesting stuff, but the way it's delivered is so piss poor. You know, one of the people that they talk about as a good presenter was Steve Jobs. Big pictures, you know, th- yeah. three or four words, great demonstration, interaction, all that sort of stuff. And I thought, this is good. So um, that's what happened two years ago. Was I had a real problem with the business. I nearly lost it through um, all sorts of mistakes that I was making. And, uh, you know, where are we? October, it's about now. I was literally 24 hours away from losing my business. and um, Why? I just made every mistake going, really. You okay. know, I wasn't focused. I was doing four things really badly. That was what I was doing. I was busy full. Busy, yeah, very busy full. Really busy full. Um, and uh, I had four areas of business. I had the speaking side, the martial arts side, writing, like copywriting as well, um, and the therapy side. And I was doing all four of them really badly. So... The, the biggest change really has been to focus on martial arts, the thing that I knew, mm. the thing that I, I, I was easy love? for me to earn. Yeah, love, definitely. Yeah, you, Would you, you describe know. it as a labour of love, a thing that you love, martial arts? Oh, yeah, a thing I love, yeah. yeah okay. I don't know about labour of love, but, but certainly it inspires me. And the bigger the group, it inspires me as well. You know, when you do a talk for 600 people, mm. that's a very different talk to doing one for one, for example, which mm. is a different feeling. Because what you're getting is you're getting that interaction. Now, you don't do classes for 600 people. But if you have a class, you've got 20, 25, 30 people, and they're all on fire, they're all buzzing, that makes you feel good at the yeah. end of the day, doesn't it? Yeah, you've served. It? Yeah, you've served, yeah. And, and going back to the, the human needs, one of those needs is contribution. And that's obviously quite high for anybody who wants to teach. And um, I, I, uh, you know, I really do enjoy spreading the knowledge. I, I enjoy learning things. 
Um, I even shared the bloody cushion story the other night at the club, you know, because mm. it's just weird stuff, isn't it? So, yeah, that, that, that is definitely it. And so we focused on the martial arts, teaching the classes, building the club, reinvesting in the club, then bringing products out. So we have two sets of DVDs now I'm working on. We've got three book, four books on the go, one novel and three uh, fiction, uh, sorry, non-fiction. And um, it's about time we've got one of them published, which will be happening by the end of next month. And uh, so now I am focusing on doing one thing well before you move on to the next thing but before you move on to the next thing to have the process in place you know like the people who are working on my stand you know Ved is, is one of my assistant instructors we've got another three assistant instructors as well as the other black belts that, uh, that have got can influence. I ask you a contentious question contentious question then you say it you can alright yeah <laughs> <laughs> can I ask you a con- 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 contentious? Here you can't we go. say that word. No, I can't say that. Yeah. That's why I said it a few times. Yeah, I, get a, I don't wonder the women have left. Yeah. I don't have to put a, like explicit now on the Apple um, yeah. iPod thing. Yeah. It was just part of another word. Yeah. Um, I don't understand that you use the methodology to get good at martial arts to yeah. fight at world level. Yeah. Okay. Where you were focused. Mm-hmm on achieving an aim yep. where you immersed yourself in doing that mm-hmm. um, having learned that le- lesson yep. then yep. a couple of years ago that went uh, awry uh-huh. what was the process but, and then you've love. gone back to love, that's what happened I fell in love with somebody who we're still great friends to this day and, um, and uh, she left me she left me a week before Christmas, and it devastated me. Yeah, it was as simple as that, really. And um, and then I remember screwed up your way of thinking, your methodology. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, you know, I was broken-hearted and uh, did lots of really stupid stuff, and and was not focused on the business at all. Like I said, I was doing four things really badly. And I remember that summer of two years ago, looking for joint ventures where someone could help me, but I wasn't thinking about any of the value that I was giving them. Who could help me? Who could I do this? And I, and I was probably using people in completely the wrong way, I was, in, in the wrong way, and just making really stupid mistakes. And what happened was then was I thought, I cannot change this business around or this lifestyle around until I create more value to the people that I work with. And that's certainly true of your customers. It's true of your friends as well. So that was it, really. So what? So now it's turned around two years on. Yeah. Uh, what's your focus now? Uh, you, you've talked about your publishing and whatever. I mean, yeah. like, no, forget forget that question. What what are your longer term goals? Oh, writing. Ultimately, writing. I want to write. I, someone asked me that a little while ago about writing, um, and obviously, I want to make money. Uh, but it but it is um, almost a compulsion to write things, and yet also you're completely crippled by procrastination sometimes as well. There's a book called The War of Art. And they describe the process of writing um, and how sometimes the blank page is the biggest, the biggest um, challenge you can possibly have. What, what are you going to write? What are you going to do? You've got to do something. You know, Dan, um, Dan Brown talks about his, he gets up four in the morning and does his writing between four and six and then he writes two hours and that's it and he, he gets his books out. Churchill will talk about, you know, Churchill was so prolific and everything, apart from leading the country to greatness in the Second World War, he published books and he painted and he built bloody walls and Mm. did all sorts of stuff. And yet Hitler, it does describe in this book, after the First World War, did a course in art at the Vienna University. But how many paintings have you ever seen by Hitler? None. And it is claimed that he would rather start World War II than he would paint a picture. (laughs) 
which is just an interesting concept really mm. isn't it and I think that is that, that is a thing with, with creatives so anybody who has a creative phone in their body loves to do all their stuff and when they're on fire they will do it all and it'll all come out you sit down for too long you don't do fuck all I mean, you don't, you have no interest whatsoever. There's a great series called Californication that David Duchovny's in, and that somebody told me about that yesterday. Actually, yeah, I can't think who it was. Very though. wise man, that'd be me. Yeah, and um, but this series is great because it's about a guy who's who's on the rails. You know, he's he's written a really successful book. He's, he's become a film. Bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. But he wants to try and get back with this this woman that he was in love with and his son, his, his daughter, and. Um, in the meantime, just shags everything there is in, in Hollywood. It's a really funny series, but I relate to it way too closely. You know, this whole process of not being able to write. Let me um, offer you um, a ride in my time machine, as I have done with previous guests here at T-Max. Yeah. Um, Diesel-powered. Uh, I get good mileage off it, but um, it's not that powerful. So you get to go back to have a chat yourself at 12, 13, 14. Mm -hmm. Because it's not that fat, powerful, I can't keep you there for that long. So you only get a chance to whisp a few words of wisdom mm -hmm. that have been hard-earned from along the way. Now, you have two, two choices. Yep. You've got two things you can do. Do you want to use it? Yes or no. And if you do use it and go and have a word with yourself at early age, what words of wisdom would you impart that may help the course of your of your life the biggest thing is treat people better longer um you know when when um so it was a yes to the first one you yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yeah definitely just treat people better for longer um i made too many mistakes where there were people that i cared about in my life that i didn't treat the way they should have been treated at the time because i was single-minded in my pursuit of whatever it was whether that was the, the gold medal or whether or not that was trying to build the business or whether or not it was trying to um get get the you know get the business further too single-minded sometimes you've got to step back and say you know the people have got to, people want to give you love and sometimes you don't allow them in because you're too busy doing stuff and then you look back and go well if we did done that where would that have gone that would be the thing, as it, certainly as a young man, you know, when I, was, when I was 17, I left home at 17 because I was a twat, simple as that. You know, me and my dad were literally fighting, you know, um, hitting each other, and, and that's not the way that my mum wanted us to be together. Uh, cause, Your real dad? No, uh, my stepdad. Your stepdad. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah my stepdad. And, uh, and, and what you wanted, what you wanted was, was relationship. And connection is the biggest thing that we have, really. You know, and it's quite deep, esoteric stuff, I suppose. But you know, your relationships are what govern your life, isn't it? There's, mm. uh, there's that phrase that we become an amalgam of the five people we spend the most time with. And I've spent some time with some pretty wonderful people, really. And uh, and I've been blessed to know them, and would like to continue some of those relationships that are still in existence way onto the future because they enrich my life. Andy. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for taking your time out at T-Max. You're welcome. And uh, I wish you well. If there isn't anything else, we can always eat cat. Cat's good. But not as nice as hedgehog. <laughs> I, 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 with dime. Yeah, with dime. with dime. Dimes for pudding. Yeah, and then just be careful with the cushions. Yeah.